The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. Welcome back. You are listening to Nature of Business, and I'm your host, Chrissy Coughlin. And we have with us on uh, the second part of the show here, Dan Smolin, and he is the exec- an executive recruiter and empower of talent. He's also an author and an eco entrepreneur and founder of the Green Suits LLC. Welcome, Dan. Hey, Chrissy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well today. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you on the show. So let's let's talk to let's talk about um, green suits. Um, it's mm-hmm. very exciting. Uh, I love the concept, and um, we'd love to hear more about it as well as your background. Sure. Well, um, about me, I'm uh, a recruiter for about fourteen, fifteen years. Have focused primarily on on business, so executive recruiting. Um, My background prior to recruiting was in direct and interactive marketing. So um, 28 years of that, and then uh, decided at one point that instead of actually working in the business, I wanted to actually help people find work. And um, so it's been, uh, recruiting's been a lot of fun. You get to help a lot of people. And um, Along the path, about uh, five or six years ago, I made the decision to make the green pivot. Um, I had uh, earlier in my life had a lot of involvement with environmentalism and um, got hooked and decided that uh, I wanted my recruiting practice to be about the triple bottom line, to, to fully embrace employment that helps people, that helps the planet, and, of course, helps the financial bottom line as well. That's great. I like the green pivot. I like the, the, the use of the green pivot. That's a good one. I just well, had to write well, that I'll down. what happened. Um, for so much of my life, uh, my work world and my non-work world did not intersect. My non-work world was involved in um, uh, social stuff, environmental causes, politics, and my day work, my, my executive recruiting didn't really have a green hue to it. And that bothered me. It, it was like I le- was living a double life. And right. it became very important to me um, for a lot of reasons. One, I have a little kid, uh, 10 years old, who uh, I want to uh, uh, really live a, a good life as an example for. Uh, two, I, I'm ambitious. I see the world changing, and I see our growth as a country, as an economy, uh, coming out of uh, sustainability, out of green tech, clean tech, uh, water reclamation, nanotechnology, and uh, social responsibility. And I want to be a part of it. And so that's why five, six years ago I said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. And it's, um, it's been a wild ride. It's been a lot of fun. So when you say it's a wild ride, tell me, tell me, like, have you been, have, is the word out that you are one of the go-to guys if you're looking for a green job? You know, it's getting there. I, uh, the, the biggest challenge right now is helping people uh, connect with the right skill sets and 
So being the go-to guy, a lot of what I'm doing now is offering a lot of advice because a lot of candidates I talk to are very, very impressive. MBAs, advanced degrees, have had great careers, want to get into something green and sustainable, and yet they're hitting the wall and they're saying, why, you know, why is it? I've had all this success. Why can't I get a job in this space? So a lot of my time now, Chrissy, has been involved in offering advice, helping people uh, fill the cavities in their, uh, in their career histories, mainly for the fact that they haven't worked in um, sustainability or CSR, and they haven't had the express experience. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my narrative has been in helping people uh, – develop the right skills, get the right experience, get the right training, and uh, continue on a, a path of education because, let's, let's be face it, you know, the days of graduating college or grad school and being done with school are over. We, we don't stop. If we stop learning, um, we, we hinder our ability to connect up uh, uh, in a career path in, in, in the sustainability area or CSR. Uh, or green tech, because so much of what's going on is changing, and we have to remain well informed and uh, well experienced. And so that's been my my role. Is it, uh, I'm offering a lot of advice now uh, to people I'm doing search work for, but also those who contact me and say, "How you know? How do I get into it?" Mm-hmm. So if you are, I, I see that because I see I have a couple of friends who are really interested in the in the field and haven't had prior experience, so to speak, directly, you know, directly in the sustainability field. Um, what does it often I know I don't want to give away, you know, free advice, because obviously this is your business. But but does this often entail uh, somebody taking a lower like, quote unquote, lower position, so, something that they would think that maybe they were too you know, that they were overqualified for? Are you finding that that's where people are having to go? You know, it's an interesting question. I personally uh, do not uh, advise people to take a lower level position. What I do advise them to do is um, get, get the best employment situation you can, whatever it might be. So, for instance, maybe it's not working for a necessarily green company or organization, or perhaps the job isn't inherently green. But what I advise them to do is get into that job, get successful, put out great metrics, show your company or organization that by hiring you, you've created all this positive needle movement. You're making money for them. You're saving them money. Um, You're making them more efficient. And then maybe six months, 12 months into the job, when it's time for your review, uh, then you have the leverage to go to management and say, you know what, uh, I want to I provide something additional, my, an additional value to this organization. And it is at that point that I advise people to um, turn their jobs green, find ways mm-hmm. um, without creating a lot of havoc in the organization to help the organization become more sustainable or more socially responsible. And a lot of the initial steps that people can take are actually quite easy. Uh, It could be in a company developing or running a green team, gathering like-minded people who have great ideas that that percolate from the bottom up. And um, things could be as simple as uh, creating uh, uh, energy efficiency in the company. Uh, right. 
perhaps, I, I agree. Perhaps. I agree with you on that because I think that you know a lot of people are just they say, well, I have to be the director of sustainability or I have to be something that has green in the title. But I really agree with you. If you can get into a company and create those opportunities, then you have a quote unquote green job. Well, and then you can. And, and you know what? I get that pushback too, Chrissy. And what I say to them is, if they're if they're old enough where they were involved in the internet economy, I say to them, okay, so you worked in the internet economy. Um, how did you get your first job? Well, I sort of invented my way into it. And I go, aha, there you go. <laughs> you have to invent your value. You have to create your unique value to the organization through providing something uh, that's green and sustainable. Uh, and, and oftentimes it is inventing your own job or creating your own value through maybe uh, managing a volunteer project within the organization. And this is how it gets started. If you talk to people who are uh, chief green officers now who maybe have eight or more years of experience in sustainability or corporate res uh, social responsibility, you often find is they got into these jobs um, either because the CEO asked them to learn, you know, to, to, to get into this role, um, or they invented their way into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I want to talk about your book, but I, I do, sure. this, do want to talk about your recent trip up to, um, to your alma mater, Ithaca College, because yeah. we're talking here about millennials, and these are the, 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 the college students, and, you know, and, and what are they saying about green careers and what are they what I'm hearing is that they're really kind of demanding that the companies for whom they work have some sort of sustainability bend or they have some sort of mission tacked on to their you know tacked on to their company it is, that it is absolutely the case you know I just finished reading a book by uh, Mike Hayes and Morley Winograd called Millennial Momentum and it really talks about how this cohort is by its sheer volume, there are 90 million millennials in the United States, and they, they are on a path of soon dictating the kinds of companies and the kind of employment that they want to work for, work with. And um, I certainly saw that on my latest trip up to Ithaca. Um, uh, millennials strike me as, as so bright and so cheerful and so... Um, excited about the future. I mean, they really give me pause for hope that um, they have the gumption, they have the skill, they have the, uh, the stick-to-itiveness to help solve a lot of problems that we have, and in doing so, uh, re-energize the economy. Uh, the thing that really excites me about them, um, and I, I'm still struck by this on the trip, is how an utter lack of cynicism. I did, when I was on that campus a long time ago, um, it was during the Iran hostage crisis, and we were going through an, uh, an economic downturn, the likes of which none of us had ever seen before. And we were all quite cynical and didn't think that we were going to turn out okay. Well, you know, most of us did. What's interesting about this cohort is how absolutely cheerful they are. They, they think they're going to be able to solve a lot of problems, and, um, and that's great. They have a lot of fire in the belly. Um, but, but it's true. They, they want to work in sustainable fields. They want to make a difference. Uh, they want to use this ability that they have to work in groups 
and come up with great ideas. You know, the funny thing about them is uh, they're not the me generation. They're the we generation. And we have so many problems to solve. Maybe that's the best way to do it collaboratively. I agree with that. So what do you think um, are some of the, the biggest misconceptions then of millennials? Um, that they don't have a work ethic, that they're lazy, that they're coddled. Okay. I, I speak to C-level executives often, and they roll their eyes at the prospects of having to deal with this cohort. Uh, and, and I think it's really silly of them to, to not recognize, uh, yes, they're different, but but maybe different is better. Maybe it's good. Um, I think they have the capacity for massive problem solving. We've dumped a lot of problems in, the, in their laps that they're going to have to deal with economically, uh, environmentally, socially, and um, and yet I think they're up for the challenge. They're going to change. Uh, they're going to change our concept of work, and I think. Uh, for people that don't adapt well, it's going to be very difficult. For those that do, I think it's going to be, for people like me, I think it's going to be very, very exciting. What they don't understand, what, they, what they're what they lacking is a sense of structure. Um, they know they want to get out of school and they want to get a job, but they don't know how to do that. And so what I'm counseling uh, many millennials to do is to use your time well, to to um, look at yourself and define what your unique value is to the world and um, work towards a goal. Maybe the goal is to um, develop a, a strong uh, network of, of advisors who are going to be there to help guide you as you develop your career. Or it could be a set of principles you want to live by, or perhaps it's even uh, as simple as job goals. I want to start back with defining a green job. What is a green job? Defining a green job, I, I talk about this in the book. It's like um, you gather seven rabbis in a room, you get eight different answers. That's the problem with it. <laughs> no one really knows. Uh, uh, no one can agree on a, on a definitive description of what it means. So uh, ideally, what I think it is, is any kind of job uh, in in my in my world, any career type of employment or executive role that lends itself to the furtherance of the triple bottom line. Um, it helps um, a company be more competitive through uh, sustainability and through uh, corporate social responsibility. Perhaps it's an obvious role like uh, manufacturing green tech or clean tech, um, or it could be a role in a not obviously green company uh, in a not obviously green job. And to that end, ultimately, it's my hope that every job will be a green job. I think that also, and I don't, I'd love to get your opinion on this, that it's a job that you feel, you, you feel good about. You feel like you're, if, if sustainability or, or, or making the world a better place is something that's important to you, if you feel like the job that you're doing, whatever it may be, every day is contributing to a better world, would you say, I mean, wouldn't, to me, that's a green job. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. Um, we, we need passionate people. And I think, you know, I often ask people what motivates them, what gets you up, what gets you up and out the door every morning. 
Um, and often it is, you know, loving the work. It, yeah, sure, it's money and it's prestige and it's recognition. But often I hear just the love of the work and the love of the challenge of the work. And, boy, there are a lot of challenges in the green space. Um, I, as I told the, my, my audience up at Ithaca College uh, where I spoke, I said, um, don't be discouraged by the fact that there are going to be so many problems. You might invent something uh, that's great, and it turns around and creates two new problems. That's okay. This is, this is the new normal that we live in. Let's embrace it. Let's, let's rise to the occasion. And mm-hmm. um, I got a lot of nods, and they were like, yeah, that's cool. I like that. <laughs> Let's talk about your book. You have a sure. book called Tailoring the Green Suit, Empowering Yourself for an Executive Career in the New Green Economy. What about this book? Why did you write it? I wrote the book because um, at the time, I read, the book has been out since early last year, 2010. And I kind of recognized that um, there was a lot of talk about green jobs. And when you look more deeply into that dialogue, it was really about blue-collar jobs turned green. And Mm -hmm. as an executive recruiter, I looked at that and said, well, that doesn't speak to the millions of people out there who are executives or professionals who want to take their executive careers and turn them green. And so to write the book, I, I... set out to write a process book, um, a book that would help people create the proper strategies, um, set goals for themselves, understand what kinds of things senior level executives expect from them, for instance, making sure that they are knowledgeable, that they're always acquiring new information, that they're connecting up and developing very strong professional networks, and I wanted the book to speak to that because I knew, Chrissy, that if I made it more chronological or more topical, that the way history has changed so much, uh, by the time the book got published, it would have been outdated. Um, Even though the narrative behind the book talks a lot about what was going on in 2009 and, and perhaps a little bit before, the fundamentals of the book remain the same. It's really about setting out and creating a very successful career in sustainability or CSR. And um, from people I've talked to, they like the book and they're recommending it and it's actually done quite well. Well, excellent. Well, I will, I will do my part to uh, spread the word on my show and on the site. Um, so you, you urge in this book, part of it is that you urge readers to remain above politics. Yes. So t- talk to us about what you mean by this and, and why this is so important. Well, two, two insights on that. I, I was very lucky last year to uh, participate in a forum at uh, NYU up in New York and uh, with a, a 200, 300 people in the room all interested in sustainability careers. And so they had me sit, seated at a table, and one by one people were coming up to me, and I would ask them, you know, what, what motivates you? And um, I would say seven out of ten people said altruism, and I started rolling my eyes, and they – one person said, did I say something to offend? And I said, oh, no, no, I, you know, I, I, it's a noble thing to be motivated by altruism, but I believe I am a, a CEO who doesn't buy into sustainability or corporate social responsibility. And, you know, you're coming to interview for a job. What, what frames do you think are going to be useful 
or effective, more importantly, effective in, in allowing you to be successful at landing that job. And um, so this is the whole idea of remaining above politics because altruism lends itself to something that, that – uh, it's the old tree hugger frame that that um, all this all all green business is really about hugging trees and and um, you know climate science and all that. And yet, when you are seeking a new job and you want to be successful in landing the new job, what I remind people is keep you know I'm not asking you to give up on your belief system, but you want to be successful in getting a job. So connect up with those things that are meaningful to your audience. The fact is, is that sustainability is good for business. So talk about the fact that you are productive, that you know how to create efficiencies, that you know how to collaborate and create across-the-board buy-in, that you know how to percolate uh, bottom-up ideation in the company to create really great ideas for creating efficiency and helping the company make more money. And then get into the company, be successful, and then you can change your green narrative to be more about the things that you believe because you've established your credibility. And um, so, so being above politics means also you don't go into an interview and talk about how you spent two and a half weeks down in Zuccotti Park in New York at, uh, at the Occupy movement because that's not going to go over big either. <laughs> right. So I often tell people – Remain true to yourself. Know what you believe in, but also be smart and, and be successful in your interview. And being above politics means knowing that the person across the room probably doesn't share the same passions that you do and the same political beliefs necessarily. And so right. be smart about it. Get in the door. Be successful. And then change the world. Wow, I like that. So we've got to wrap up in about a minute, but I want to ask you, what is your employment forecast for 2012 and beyond? What are we looking at here? Well, um, it's it's a good news, bad news scenario. Uh, the let's get the bad news out of the way. Um, yeah, let's I, get the I, bad I, news uh, out of the way. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's for a lot of us a dull gray economy. There's not a lot of employment opportunity out there. Uh, it's taking people a very, very long time to connect up with work. Some people I've spoken to have been um, out of pocket for 12 months or longer. One guy I talked to last week, 18 months, and I, I, I don't know how he does it. He must be living on a lot of uh, 401K money. Um, yep. But what, what people um, who are seeing this as a long-term situation are doing is they're not pumping out resumes. They're not uh, – you know, wasting their time dialing and trying to connect up, you know, put a finger in the wind. They're using their time well to develop the skills that they need to now while it's quiet so that they can be successful. But with all that said, um, I think that uh, we're going to see uh, a real uh, – I, I think after 2012, and I hate to say it, I think we have to get through this election because I think the narrative is now about the election. And uh, once we get through that, I think we're going to see a tremendous turnaround um, in, in the employment picture. It doesn't mean that next year is going to be necessarily bad. I don't think it's going to be worse than we're at right now. I think things are going to get better, uh, but they may not get appreciably better to 2013. So what okay. I tell people is use the time now, study, get informed, get connected, 
And um, hey, go out and buy the book. <laughs> go out and buy the book and, and take a couple courses, even if they're online. Just keep busy, right? I would assume that on your resume, exactly. if you're just busy doing stuff, it's got to look good. Well, busy doing stuff as long as it's relevant and right. it is metric. You want right. to show positive numbers on your resume and tell a really compelling story. And, oh, by the way, the top half of the first page of that resume, because most people don't read beyond that if they're going mm. through a, a stack of resumes. So um, know how to use that real estate well. You put in a lot of meaningful metrics and remain positive, and our best days are ahead. I do believe that. Thank you, Dan, for joining joining me today. That was that was great. And uh, I will definitely put some information um, up on your book. Now, where did you say you could get your book again? Well, the book is available online at uh, barnesandnoble.com and also okay. on Amazon. So it is downloadable as Kindle or Nook uh, okay. versions. Okay. Um, or it's available in print on demand, which means um, they print them one at a time. So it's a very sustainable um, enterprise. Uh, you order a book, they print one book. Great. <laughs> it's really cool. We'll, go, we'll, we'll get people to go out and buy it. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Chrissy. Have a great okay. day. Okay. Bye. The proceeding has been Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com.